Well, man, I love this church. You know, there's a lot of churches that would have shut it down on a, on a Saturday morning with Snowmageddon out there. I mean, it's just so dangerous. Um, uh, how do we even survive this? My daughter, Brooke, went to get a gallon of milk just at uh, Fred Beyer last night, and it took her hours as there were just lines of people stocking up for Snowmageddon 2019. Uh, I just don't get it. Um, uh, but anyway, I, I'm really glad you guys are here and, and uh, willing to get into the Word together. I love that. I love that about you guys. Um, I've got a, a, a chapter, a section, a topic um, this, this morning that, um, you know, once in a while, most of the time I feel this way, but so, I guess that's sometimes more than others, um, that I, I've got something that the Lord's put on my heart, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to uh, really articulate it. I feel like I'm going to do damage to it. Like there's something the Lord's just been showing me, and, and, um, and then I really hope that the Spirit uh, will give us understanding of this. And it, it, it's this Proverbs 31 chapter that's kind of hit me recently. Uh, why don't you turn there? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. And we've tackled a lot of subjects in this Ironwork series for the past three years. And uh, um, they're all online, by the way. If you just go to the website, look up, you know, Ironworks, uh, and all of our studies are on there. It's been, been a lot of fun going through some of these things. This is one that I think uh, will help you a lot, and me, if we can really get it. That's, that's the thing. Uh, but it's a huge issue, and it has to do with the way you and I think. And uh, we've got everything culturally against us. Um, man, I, I remember... Um, as a little kid, um, going over to a friend's house, you know, and I'll never forget, <laughs> as a tiny little kid, my, you know, going to a friend's house, this is like a Christian family, Christian friend, and um, some of you guys aren't old enough to remember the Sears catalog, <laughs> but I remember a little kid opening up a Sears catalog and saying, Brett, have you seen what's in this catalog? And I was like, no, what you? You know, I, I didn't know, um, and he opened it up to the women's underwear section. Uh, and showed me those pictures, and I was like, what? And, and I realized, wow, we, and I, you know, as a little kid, I, I, you know, I'm sure that my parents had no idea I was going to somebody's house where a little kid was going to be showing me this stuff, and, 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 you know, all of you guys have some story like that, and it gets, you know, crazier and crazier, uh, even abusive, and, and you know, uh, sexually molestation happens, uh, and, and, it's, and it's amazing um, how messed up our culture is in this, and um, we've got this crazy double standard where um, there's sexual images and promiscuity and um, just all around us there's this whole thing about women and the sexual drive and lure um, and, and, um, and we're just inundated with that. Meanwhile, um, uh, we've got the Me Too movement that's scratching their heads wondering why are men so driven to want to touch a woman or or, you know, um, make sexual advances in the office, um, you know, and, and I'm not defending that. That's obviously horrific behavior, but we're stupidly wondering why that's happening. You know, if you talk to the law enforcement in Clackamas County, we, we had a gal who's in charge of the, the whole um, unit that uh, looks for and, and uh, catches and studies sexual predators. And, um, and they're not scratching their heads. They're saying they're, they're really concerned because it's no longer the Sears catalog. You know, it's not, not the Sears catalog. Uh, Joey, I think he was in second grade, right, Joey? When that one, one kid brought clippings from, you know, pornography magazines 
um, and was like selling them. He was a businessman in second grade, selling naked pictures of women to his buddies in second grade. Um, you know, it wasn't the Sears catalog. And, and now, you know, I, I see, you know, parents giving their, their young sons iPhones uh, at really young ages and just saying, oh, my son wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. I mean, the, the um, ignorance, uh, you know, it's, it's like, why not just, you know, set your son up for total failure? Um, it's amazing to me what we've done culturally and, and, uh, and to think that we're all going to come out just fine. And we wonder, you know, in Europe, marriage is a thing of the past. I don't know if you guys know that, but nobody gets married, married anymore. I mean, uh, in Sweden, nobody gets married. Marriage is like history. Uh, it's not even a thing anymore. Um, and and, and uh, we have our missionaries over there, and Jesse was telling me how, um, you know, when, when, a, when a couple decides to have a baby, it's almost like a community decision. Like, okay, we'll have a baby, and then we'll have it go to this school, and you guys can do this part of raising it, and we'll do this part. And it's, you know, it's that whole, it takes a village gone mad. Um, it, no, it takes a family, a mother and a father, and the Bible, um, you know, gives us all kinds of stuff. It, it's amazing to me, um, we get all into our institutions and the things we're into. Um, if you're interested, God acknowledges three institutions in the world, only three. Um, and, and it's funny how we get into our institutions and the things that we, the organizations and ministries even, good things. But God says, I acknowledge um, uh, three things. One, uh, the, the church. The church of Jesus Christ is an organization God acknowledges. Number two, the government. Isn't it amazing that God acknowledges government and even signs his name to it and says, we're to pray for those who are in authority over us and, and their ministers, Romans 13, to minister righteousness. I mean, even if they're unrighteous, uh, it's, God acknowledges government. So you got the, the, the church, you got government. But the third institution God signs his name to is the family. And, uh, and I think it's important for us to realize the importance of family. But this notion of the way we're raised to see women as sex objects um, is, has done massive damage in so many ways. There are almost too many to number. Um, uh, we could talk about how, you know, when you're a little kid and you see that first image and you don't even know what to make of it, to where you're feeding that lust, that desire, to where it just kind of comes uh, on so strong that you have to feed it with more and more intense, more and more perverted versions of sexuality and, you know, you wonder why some of these people end up doing all these crazy, perverted things. You're like, where does that come from? It comes from this, this uh, desire that has gone unchecked and, uh, you know, uh, unhindered, and, and people have taken it to the nth degree. And so I see all kinds of damage from that, the feeding the machine, feeding the monster or whatever, and it gets bigger and more hungry, and uh, it destroys people. I see men that have been destroyed, families that have been blown up because of feeding that monster. But one of the perhaps more subtle damaging things, um, that it, it's subtle but no less damaging, um, is not just that a guy's feeding it, and even if you haven't fed that monster as much, but you've just been introduced to the monster. It's almost like Satan wants to just get that little bit of a hook in your mind. You know, it's interesting, in the Old Testament, um, the Lord talks about how he saw the, what was going on in the imagination of the elders of Israel. Do you guys remember that scripture? And it says that, that you know, he, he saw the vision of what they were thinking. It was basically pornography. 
The elders in Israel, they were, they were thinking of pornographic images. Uh, the guys that were supposed to be leading and the holy men and the, the strength of, of the men and, and, uh, and God indicted them for that. And so, you know, you might even have it to where, you know, where we can go along and we're, we're, we feel like, man, we've got it in check. I've got my accountability partners. I've got my covenant eyes on my, uh, you know, devices. I'm not looking at porn. But, but there's something that can happen even if you're that guy who's doing well right now because of what you've seen with your eyes um, when you were younger. Um, don't you wish your memory was as good when it came to mathematics, for example? As, as good as, as, as like, because I can remember the images when I was a tiny little kid looking at Sears catalog. I remember that, you know, it's like, wow, it's like I got a, uh, a memory that could just lock those things in. And you, you say, Lord, erase those memories, you know, take, take that stuff that I've seen uh, and just make it go away. Uh, but it's amazing how your mind just leaves this imprint. Uh, and Satan will constantly, I think, throw those images. Um, they're like little fiery darts that he throws at you just to get you on fire again, you know. Um, so, even if you're living successfully and you're doing really well, here's the dastardly part of that whole thing. When you get married, somebody, somebody I, I once uh, had to talk to a guy and say, man, he was talking about how he needed to get married because of his lust problem. And um, I, I get that. Um, and even, you know, the Bible, you can almost make that case a little bit when Paul talks about it's better to marry than to burn, you know, that whole thing, burn with lust and desire. And, and it does help, the, the whole marriage relationship, romance in the marriage, uh, it, it is, is a great part of life and, and it's beautiful. But, but, um, but here's the problem, if a guy's like, man, I, I, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, so we better get married. Here's the problem with that. If you don't have the discipline to abstain sexually before you're married, what is gonna keep that guy 10 years down the road when, when he's you know, slept with his wife a lot and um, she's getting older and, you know, and not, not as um, you know, young as maybe she once was, what happens to that guy when he sees a younger girl and he suddenly has a desire for her? That same guys, it's not like when you get married, suddenly God sprinkles the man with discipline dust and says, you will now never suffer from lust ever again because you're married. Is that what happens? Well, I, I don't believe that's the way it works. I wished it worked that way, that'd be great. But, but I think there's something that we don't always talk about, <clears throat> and that is <clears throat> the way that we think about our wives is essential, and it's important to the nth degree. And, and the way we think about them, not just in the area of sexuality, but in, in every area, and, and it all reaches back into the romance and the sexuality part. I think they're all interconnected. But, you know, when we read Solomon here, one of the things we're going to have to realize is Solomon, you might call him an expert on women. Right? I mean, how many guys have had 700 wives? And 300 concubines. So, I mean, like, he, he, uh, he definitely um, knew women. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing. He, but, um, but sometimes you can look at somebody who um, had it all and said, oh, man, it's all vanity. It's all a waste. Like, you can learn from that guy without having to learn the way he had to learn. Um, but but these, these women that Solomon had, they were, in a lot of ways, his undoing. I mean, here's the guy that had more going on for him than any man, perhaps, maybe, uh, apart from Jesus. Uh, the Bible says he was wise. He had more wisdom than any man that ever lived. 
That's a pretty good thing to have. Um, He also was perhaps the most wealthy king ever. Solomon's, you know, gold and silver, legendary. Even outside of the Bible, there's extra biblical writings about Solomon's glory. Um, He had gold, he had girls, uh, he was powerful. Uh, All the nations came and bowed before him. I mean, Solomon had everything, but he ends up totally miserable, uh, doing horrific things. How did Solomon get to that place where he was actually sacrificing babies in the Valley of Gehenna there in Jerusalem on the arms of Moloch? Do you understand Solomon did that? He participated in sacrificing babies on these sizzling hot arms of Moloch. They just fry these babies on the arms. Solomon did that um, in a place where he was walked, really had walked away from the Lord. Here's the wisest man of the world. See, this is what you have to understand about Solomon. He was the wisest man, but he didn't use his wisdom very much. Um, it seems like he used it for other people, like when he judged their causes and like he used that wisdom. But as far as applying the wisdom to his own life, man, he totally failed in that. Um, you know, if, if you remember when we studied through Solomon's life, and we're going to be going through some of that here pretty soon when we go through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and some of that. But we're going to see that Solomon, man, while he had everything going on for him, he had massive failure in his life. Um, and I believe that the women issue, the woman issue in his life was the biggest problem. Now, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, you know, uh, the, the, the Proverbs are an interesting list of things. When we go through Proverbs, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, it's funny because it reads kind of like a dictionary, you know? I mean, a lot of the books we're going to go through, it kind of has a flow. Proverbs just, man, it's just got like, every verse is kind of a whole nother topic, and it's kind of hard. It takes a while to get through Proverbs verse by verse. Uh, we're going to do it. But if there's a major theme in the Bible, of course, of of Proverbs, it's wisdom, of course. But I'd say maybe not just wisdom, maybe first place is the issue of women for the man. Solomon has a ton of stuff to say. And this last chapter is about the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, now th- here's the thing. Uh, historically, as a kid growing up in the church, I, I've heard all about the Proverbs 31 woman. I've read women's books for women on Proverbs 31 woman because I wanted to know what women were teaching about. The, the, and the Proverbs 31 woman is this incredible woman. And a lot of people read this and think, well, this, men can just check out in chapter 31 of, of Proverbs because it's kind of for the woman. And there's women's conferences, women's books. Uh, they're talking and studying Proverbs 31. But I want to show you um, how um, maybe, maybe, um, well, for sure it's for men as well, not just women. But I almost wonder if it's more for men than it is w- women. In fact, I think we need to talk about the Proverbs 31 man today because this is huge in what I'm talking about. So let's take a look. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read through um, uh, much of this, not, not the whole chapter, I don't think, but, but let's, uh, let's, let's, I want to show you some of the main, main issues. Well, we'll start Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. Now, um, the thing about this is you have to understand is Lemuel, um, nobody knows for sure who Lemuel is, um, but most scholars agree that it's Solomon. And it's interesting, there's a reason why they believe that. Um, uh, do you guys remember the name that God gave to, to Solomon? Anybody? Crickets? Lemuel was not, good guess though, uh, Lemuel was, 
was the name probably, you're on the right track, uh, was the name his mother gave to him. Probably a pet name, and I want to tell you why. Um, so the Lord gave the name Jedediah to Solomon, if you recall. Um, anybody, is Jed Iverson here? Any of you guys named Jed? Uh, if you got a name Jed, it's a great name. Uh, you should think about that. You, you uh, guys that are going to have kids here soon, Jedediah is a great Bible name. Um, because God gave that name to Solomon, and the name Jedediah means beloved of the Lord. That's kind of cool when you get named by the Lord, beloved of the Lord. Um, but it seems that Bathsheba probably had a pet name that was linked to that name that God gave. Um, and that is the Hebrew word Lemuel, which means devoted to the Lord. Um, and it, it seems that maybe Bathsheba devoted Solomon to the Lord. And, and if you follow the narrative of the story, um, Bathsheba made certain that Solomon was devoted to the Lord and was the next king of Israel. Um, if you recall, that almost didn't happen. If it was up to David, that may not have happened exactly the way it was supposed to. Bathsheba's the one that made sure that God's will happened with, with uh, uh, Solomon. And it's very likely this is sort of a pet name of Solomon. So, so this chapter is basically, um, they're the words of Lemuel, which is Solomon, the prophecy that his mother taught him. So this, if you, if you could sort of picture in your mind's eye, Solomon's writing saying, here's what my mother taught me. And the reason this is important is because um, uh, you might say, what does Solomon know about women? or the virtuous woman, the guy that had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Like, I don't wanna read him on, on what a virtuous woman, he doesn't know what that looks like. But I, you say, well, Bathsheba wasn't exactly virtuous. Um, but remember, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Solomon. But I think this is almost better in the sense that Solomon, knowing all about women, going through all the stuff that he'd been through, he winds up the Proverbs here with this interesting chapter about this Proverbs 31 woman. Are you guys with me so far? So it says, uh, the words of Lemuel, the prophecy of, that his mother taught him, verse two, what my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows? He's, she's saying, what, what's going on? Are you kidding me? What, what, what? What are you saying, what about, Brett? No, she's asking this question. What, are you kidding? Here it is, verse three. Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways uh, to that which destroyeth kings. Now, um, what are the ways that destroy kings? Basically, she's going to list two main things, wine and women. Um, there in verse three, uh, verse four, for it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink to him that is ready to perish and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. You know, she goes on and talks about that. Um, that's not our topic today, but we, it, it could be a good one. <laughs> um, but, um, but then she goes into this thing asking this question. Um, and, and you almost have to see, this is Solomon writing from his mother, but, but you almost see Solomon moving from his mother's narrative to his own narrative. You'll see what I mean as, as we get into this. So um, chapter 10, uh, 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She brings her food from afar 
She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengthened her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the, uh, the snow for her household. See, that's a good word for today. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. Um, that also is translated as doubled garments, like she's making sure her, her kids are warm, or her family's well clothed. Verse 22, she maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and uh, purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates." Wow. Now, just for a second, pretend you guys are a woman for a second. I know it's a stretch as I look out among this group, but just, just think about this for a second. Can you imagine the pressure if you read that? Like, wow, I'm pooped just thinking about that. Getting up long before the sun rises, um, keeping the candle burning late at night. Man, she's doing stuff that a lot of us hardworking men would just be like, are you kidding? She's planting a vineyard? And yet she looks beautiful in her silk gowns and tapestries, but she's also making, making clothing for her kids and buying and selling real estate. Like, what, what in the world is this woman? Like, is she take, doing, like, cocaine or something? Like, what, what gives her the ability? See, this is what really—I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and this woman was talking about this, and she said, you know what? The Proverbs 31 woman is impossible. And that, that just struck me as this woman saying that. It's impossible. Um, and— um, and I thought, wow, is that really true? But then the Lord was kind of showing me that um, it, it is kind of impossible. Um, and yet, and yet, who's the one speaking of her? It's the Proverbs 31 man and, and his, the way he sees her in this where he's just so impressed by her. And so he's, he's, he's acknowledging all of her great characteristics and, and who she is just as a person. Um, and, and, and it's amazing because he's acknowledging that beauty is vain. He even kind of wraps it up. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. It's almost like the Proverbs 31 man, maybe they've been seasoned in life together for some quite a few years. And she may not be the same haughty than when they first got married. But he's saying, yeah, beauty is, is vain, fleeting. It's like, um, you know, when, when Solomon talks about vanity, he talks about like soap bubbles. 
You know, they're, they're all fluffy and white at first, but then they kind of fizzle down. He says, beauty is fleeting, vain. But the, the woman that is, is uh, you know, uh, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Interesting. So this woman and all this amazing stuff, we could go into all the stuff that she's doing. And, and uh, you know, I've even heard men preach sermons on, to women. This is what you women need to be doing. Uh, I'm not going to ever preach that sermon. Uh, <laughs> I, I, who am I to tell a woman to be like this woman? Uh, tell her, this is what the Bible says you're supposed to be. I don't know that that's the point of this. Um, and, and I hope that a woman at Athey Creek would never read this and go, well, I guess I better be this Proverbs 31 woman or else I'll, I'm just totally out of God's will. No, it's, it's really true. This woman is so impressive. It, it's, it's, it's unfathomable that there's even a person that exists like this. So what's the point, Brett? Well, for us today, and, and we'll let Judy and the women's ministry deal with how a woman can apply this to their lives because I have no idea. I'll let, I'll let the ladies talk about that. Good luck with that, ladies. Um, but I know what you and I are supposed to take away from this. And that is, and, and, and this is the tricky part I'm trying to articulate, the, the way this man thinks about his woman, I believe, is what makes her this way. It, it, it might be better said this way, this man thinks of his wife this way because he's made a choice to think of her this way. This man, he, he, he's chosen to, to approve all the good that this woman does and, and maybe even has a little bit of an exaggerated view of her greatness. And, and it's because perhaps he has such a love in his heart and, 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 and there's something going on here. He, he seems to treasure her far above rubies. Like there's something going on in this man's heart that I see lacking in so many men's hearts toward their wives today. What, what do I see lacking? Well, after, you know, a lot of years of marriage counseling and seeing marriages fail and, you know, men wondering, why is my, why is my wife want to divorce me? I thought we had a great marriage, you know, and, and it's that brick in the wall thing I always teach about, you know, where, where, you know, she's tough. She deals with your garbage that you feed her every day when you criticize her or you give a jab at how she failed in this or she can't do that or she's not like other women who do this. And, and every time she's trying to be tough and not whine, so she just builds a little wall in her heart towards you. And, and it's the, the dupe. It's the, it's the guy that, that after 15 years, he's kind of like, what happened? Why, why is she wanting to divorce me now? It's like, like out of nowhere it came. But see, the woman's heart is wired different than the man's heart. Um, she'll build that wall every time that criticism, every time that jab, every time you disrespect and, and are mean-spirited, she'll build that wall and eventually that last brick will go in and she is done. I've said it before, um, it takes a miracle for that to change. Um, men's hearts, we're fickle. We, you know, um, I talk about the woman's heart is like a giant ship. It's like the, trying to turn the, you know, uh, you know, the Ronald Reagan around, you know, a big aircraft carrier, turn that around. That's the woman's heart. Man's heart, we're like the jet boats down on the web. We can spin around and zip our hearts like one minute. Oh, I love this. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, I don't like that. Like, you know, we're just, we don't, we're not as deep. But a woman's heart, man, it's deep. When it comes into love and passion and stuff like that, it's deep and it's locked in. And so, so as that, that heart gets harder and harder and that last brick goes in and the woman says, I'm done, I want a divorce, the guy's like, I can fix it, what did, what did I do wrong? Well, for the last 15 years, you were given little jabs and little mean things, and, and she, she knew there was something about the way that you thought about her was critical, cynical, 
or unappreciative or didn't quite measure out to your standard. And you never really let her have that, that moment where you said, you know, you are so good at this and I'm so thankful for these attributes that you have. See, here's the problem with us guys. For some reason, we're, we're not only not good at handing out compliments to our wives, um, but it's almost like we, we're wired as men not, to, we, we don't wanna give that to them. We don't wanna give them that victory lest they think they have it up on us or something. It's like we hold in our compliments, our love. Isn't it funny that, you know, um, uh, we're, we're told in the scriptures, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And, you know, the thing about Jesus is you can't deny it. He's demonstrated his love every single day. You know, when we, every day you're alive, you can see the love of Christ if you're looking. And, and man, the, the Lord doesn't come down on us. He doesn't, he's not mad at us. And, and when you see the grace of God, his kindness and his long suffering, man, and it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. For some reason, we really, we, we drop that ball when it comes to affirmation and love and approval. And, and, and why is that? What is it within the modern man that says, I'm gonna let a day go by without really building up my wife and encouraging her and telling her of my love and affection. Well, Brett, I told her I when I married her on that day back in 87, I told her, um, you know, I do. You do what? Well, I love you and I'm gonna marry you. That means I love you and, and, uh, and just ditto that for the rest of the, our lives. Because uh, now you know, because I chose you and married you. Well, that's the way the guy thinks, but, but a woman, man, she needs to know that you have affirmation toward her and that you love her and that, that like daily, you're just kind of rekindling those affirmations. And, and, and man, we, we fail in that. The Proverbs 31 man, he, the way he views this woman, well, he must have just had an amazing wife. See, this is where I'm starting to wonder, did she have an amazing, did he have an amazing wife? Well, Brett, it says, he finds a wife. Man, if you find this virtuous woman, good luck with that. Uh, but he found her. And the mistake we make is thinking that this woman that, that he's talking about, she must have been just really incredible. I wonder, just thinking out loud here, if we would look at Solomon's woman, or the woman that he's referring to, or whatever, if we'd look at her and go, nah, I don't see it. I'm not sure I see the same attributes that Solomon saw in her. Have you, ever, have you ever found a husband who's really in love with his wife, really squared away, and he just loves her so much, and you're just like, oh, that's so cool. Um, and, but you don't really see the same thing he sees in her. Um, when you were younger, maybe you had a friend, and, and he just was in love with a girl, and you're like, really? She's the one you're choosing? Um, and now it's funny because most of the time I, when I do weddings, I'm kind of like, it's the other way around. I'm kind of like, you're going to marry him? Really? Like, wow. Uh, you're getting, you sure you want that guy? Uh, usually it's that way. But I remember as a younger man thinking of some of my friends, I don't know, man. But he just loved her to death. Here's the thing. It, it's about the way that this man views his, his girl. Let's, let's, let's break it down. There's some things here I want to show you about the Proverbs 31 man. We're not going to look at her attributes as much as what he's doing in this particular narrative. Um, uh, um, number one, you can jot it down. The Proverbs 31 man treasures his wife. Now, by the way, um, I got a little thing here that you need to know. If you're a single man, I'm doing you a huge favor here right now. This is maybe even more for the single man because 
when you choose a wife, you need to approach it like, can I do this with the woman I'm thinking about marrying? Can I do with the Proverbs 31 man? Can I, will I think of her in this way and be willing to think of her and work really hard at thinking of her this way for the rest of my life? And if you can't, like for example, do you see any disapproval in this man? Do you see this man in any of the chapter that read? Is like, she's really great, but well, she spends a little too much money shopping. Did you hear that one? No. She's a little bit of a chatty Kathy. Uh, didn't hear that one. Like he didn't have any criticism for her. Why? Because he loved her so much he didn't see it. I'll bet you this woman in Proverbs 31, she probably had some issue because everybody does, right? Everybody has an issue. But somehow this Proverbs 31 man doesn't see it. Why? Because either he chose not to see it or he loves her so much that he doesn't see it. That's kind of the point. When you're, when you're um, you know, seeking a bride, that's something you have to do is say, am I gonna be willing to love her in the way the Proverbs 30 man, one man loves her? And, and, and uh, this is a huge thing. So, so um, you know, the Proverbs 31 man treasures his wife and, and Mark of verse three there. Um, there's two verses for this one. Verse three says, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. One of the reasons men don't treasure their wives is because they treasure other women instead. That's just the bottom line. That is, in our culture that feeds us with imagery and uh, all this stuff, you know, a man can be very divided in his love. Oh, he technically loves his wife and he's committed to her, but the problem is he's been taken in by, well, we call her in, in Proverbs land, the strange woman. Would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter five? Let me show you that. What's the strange woman? Is she somebody who's into Star Trek? Like, uh, um, uh, like what's the strange woman? Um, I love Star Trek, I actually have to admit. Um, uh, confess in time. But no, it's not the Trekkie. It's not the, the you know, what, what is the strange woman? Well, uh, let's read Proverbs five. This is, this is a heavy chapter. Um, Solomon says this, my son, attend unto my wisdom, bow down thy ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Bitter as wormwood, wormwood would be like deadly poison, like taking arsenic. Um, her feet, verse five, go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. Come not near to the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor to others and thy years to the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. Now pause for a second. Verse um, 9 and 10. Man, um, that's King James. It, it's, it's tough because um, this is what happens to the man that commits adultery, has another woman in his life. Um, he, he, you see it. it it's, it's, not, it's not just the emotional or the spiritual. It's the practical. Lest you give on, your honor to others. You know, look at these guys in the Me Too movement, um, everybody from Bill Cosby 
to uh, you know these guys in Virginia right now, the guy that is uh, under all kinds of you know requests to resign because he you know basically is accused of rape by several women. Like these guys that got into it, their honor is gone. Bill Cosby no longer has honor. Um, that's what the Bible told him that he should have known that. Um, Thy years will go to the cruel. Strangers will be filled with your wealth. Like this is what happens to the guy that is an adulterer and is, is into multiple women in his life, the strange woman. Um, verse 11, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. This is probably talking about sexually transmitted diseases. Um, God didn't ever create humanity to have multiple sexual partners. Humanity, God always wanted it to be monogamous. So we wonder why there's more than 70 uh, STDs now. We wonder why, why it's on, uh, you know, on the rise um, and, and why antibiotics aren't reacting or responding like they used to. And the medical part of this is kind of profound, really. We won't go into that all today. Verse 12, and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. It's, you know, it's after you've done the deed that you're like, what have I done? I knew better than this. That's what he's saying. Verse 13, I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Drink, now here's what you're supposed to do. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and ru running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and the rivers of rot waters in the streets. What are you talking about, Brett? Um, he's saying, don't just drink water from everywhere. Drink from your own cistern. That's your wife. Are you sure? Oh, he gets more specific. Verse 17, let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and the pleasant roe. That's like a imagery, almost like uh, echoing from, you know, Song of Solomon, the love book that's, um, you know, a little bit PG-13. <laughs> uh, he, he expresses his love to her. Let her, let her be like that, that, that hind or, or deer, you know, fawn or whatever. Um, and let her breasts satisfy thee at all times. Now, let me reread that. Let her breasts. Brad, are you supposed to talk about this? It's the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. Um, but it says, let her breasts satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with the strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. Boy, that's heavy. You should mark that in yellow uh, in your Bible. The ways of man are, you know, some people, you know, some guys think they're getting away with stuff and they're looking at porn or they're looking at other women and they think nobody sees. The, the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. Verse 22, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. The, the word holden there, King James, bound up. Boy, uh, how many of us know that sexual sin binds you up? Ask Samson, who was with a prostitute, Delilah. He had a girl problem. Samson, that was, that was his downfall. And he ended up bound, blinded, and grinding at a wheel. Um, that's what happens to the man that's doing the, uh, the thing with the strange woman. 
Verse 22, uh, his own iniquity shall take wicked himself. He shall be bound up with cords of his sins. And verse 23, he shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Heavy. Is that a pretty heavy chapter? I think it's heavy because we all recognize the strange woman. It's not, it's not um, you know, some girl that's just kind of weird. It's the girl that looks beautiful. Her lips, you know, are luring as they are like honey dripping from her lips, it says here. You know, her breasts are brought up here. Don't, don't be taken by those. Uh, Brett, you really should leave that subject alone. I brought my sons here. Well, your sons already know this is a thing, right? And, and the truth is, um, the truth is most, most of us in this room wished our dads would have taught some of this stuff to us when we were three. Instead of, you know, oh, my son's turning 18. I think I better have that discussion with him. Uh, I, how many dads drop the ball on this where they, they start, they, they think they're doing their sons a favor. Meanwhile, they're handing out pornography in second grade. Um, dads, we need to catch up to what your kids are. Well, um, Brett, my, my children go to a Christian school. Worse. That's worse. I guarantee it. Take it from a youth pastor, children's pastor of many, many years. Christian school does not mean you're protected from that. Maybe even worse. Um, and I've got reasons that I'm not going to go into why it might be worse. Um, but but uh, all that to say, the strange woman is, is the one that will take a man out. So, so what's the problem? Today, it's not just, you know, in Bible times, they had their issues. You know, they, you know, they may not have had the iPhone with uh, pornography readily available. You think, well, man, well, we've got it way worse than Solomon. Well, kind of, but, you know, as, as I've traveled into the Middle East, one of the things they had in their cities were these temples to um, Diana or Ashtoreth, um, all these goddesses of sexuality and stuff. And, and truth, true story, you'd walk down the streets in Jerusalem um, or in, in other, uh, the Decapolis cities, and there would be the temples given to these prostitute um, goddesses. And they had these little ni- niches. Uh, they're like these little, little places for women to stand and dance nakedly there on the temple. So if you walk by the temple, there'd be the ladies luring men in to worship uh, Diana or uh, Ashtoreth or whatever. Um, they had their things in those days. You say, Brett, I've seen their goddesses that's carved out of stone. Uh, not really stumbling to me. Uh, they, they, they had it much easier than us. Well, not really, because there were real women involved with pagan worship that had to do with basically pornography, fornication. So it was, it was just as problem back in those days as it, as it would be in our time. So you say, okay, Brett, got it, the strange woman. What, what's your point? My point is this. As soon as you give your mind, it's not just even your actions. As soon as you give your mind to the strange woman, thinking about her, looking at her, suddenly your mind is there instead of the woman that you are married to. The thing I love about the Proverbs 31 man, back to Proverbs 31, um, is what he's saying is the key, and, and, and it's this first point that I'm making, the Proverbs 31 man treasures his wife. The only thing that I think can really um, help you as a married man, and there's other things I would talk to to the single man, and we've, we've actually talked about some of that in, in, uh, when we talked about pornography at one of our iron works here, um, but the single man, there's some things I can tell you about. But 
for the married man, one of the greatest things you could do is to treasure your wife. It, it's, it's right there, not only where, um, you know, the, the mother of Solomon says, give not thy strength to women, but it's where he says in Proverbs um, 31.10, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. You've got to understand that your wife is your treasure. You need to think of her and love her as your treasure. You need to see that her, her value is far above any pile of rubies or gold and silver. You know, rubies is something we don't really talk about that much, but um, I don't know, you know, if, if you could say her, her price is far above, you know, uh, a brand new boat and jet skis and dirt bikes and whatever things we love, you know, as men today, and rubies is not our thing, most of us, but, but what is it that you treasure um, your wife should be the treasure far above all those things that our hearts tend to want to treasure. Um, and, and here's why. Because that what you long for and treasure, that's what you fall in love with. Um, we get it backwards. We think that if our wife is really amazing and if she's the Proverbs 31 woman, then I will treasure her like I treasure my boat or my dirt bike or my, you know, whatever treasure we have. But that's, you get it backwards. You need to treasure her first. Because Jesus taught us this way, and of course there in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, um, you know, chapter five and six, Jesus said that, um, that where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Um, Matthew six twenty one. for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, and that's true across the boards. It's, it's the Lord. If you want to love the Lord, you put your treasure in the Lord. That's, that's probably the main point that Jesus is making, by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount. But it's true with anything. I know guys where their car, their, you know, um, their project car that's out in the shop, they put all their time into that. You know, they get home from work and they're like, hi, honey, whatever, uh, and get back to the car in the shop. Um, and they spend hours and hours. There's nothing wrong with having a car in the shop, by the way. I, I'm, I'm all for that. But if that's your sole treasure, um, you know, if that's the first thing you think about when you get home from work, um, you probably have a, an issue because you're letting your treasure be something that's, that's um, mis, maybe a bit misguided. Do you treasure the Lord more than that car? Do you treasure your wife more than that car? The, the Proverbs 31 man treasures her above rubies, which is just tons of wealth. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, that's the thing. One of the great secrets of a, of a great marriage is for a man to say, I'm gonna choose to realize that the greatest treasure, apart from my relationship with the Lord, my greatest treasure is my wife. And to think of her that way, that she is my treasure, and then to act upon her in that way. If she's your treasure, what do you do? You know, um, uh, Ephesians 5 kind of touches on this a little bit when it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. But then he says, even as he cherishes his own body, remember that? It says, and no man ever hated his own flesh there, but he nourishes and cherishes his body. You need to treasure and nourish your wife that way. That's what Ephesians 5 says. So the more you treasure your wife, well, Brett, how do I treasure my wife? What if I don't treasure her? I can't just change my emotions. You can change your mind about what you're doing, and then the Lord will change your heart. You can't change your heart. That's, uh, you know, if I tell you, just really love your wife, try. Okay, mm, I'm gonna love my wife. That doesn't work. 
It has to do with your treasure, your time, your energy, your investment, what you put into that treasure. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be, Jesus said. So you invest your treasure in the Lord, of course, but also in the context of marriage, if you treasure your wife, if you, you know, you know, here comes the obligation, February 14th. All you guys are like, okay, I gotta get some flowers because of Hallmark, you know, Valentine's Day. But see, the, the problem is, um, if that's the only time we're, you know, out of obligation, like your wife can smell that a mile away. Um, but if you're giving her flowers on a day for no reason, Man, you, you know how it is, you guys. You know that there's no reason. I'm just gonna go to a flower shop and on the way home from work, I'm gonna pick up, I'm gonna hand select some flowers for my wife and put some time in it. You guys know how this works. If you've done it, some of you guys are like, what, flowers, what are you doing? Um, hey, I'm giving you some freebies here, guys. This is, this is free information. You go to a flower shop and you handpick the, a, a bouquet and you make it all you know, um, ready to go and you write a little love card, love note to her for no reason at all. But here's what happens. As you're picking the flowers and get writing the love note, your heart starts to swell with love for her. As you're doing that, you're just kind of like, oh man, she really is an amazing woman. And as you're investing your time and energy and even your money into that, you know, $80 for some roses, <coughs> clear, um, yeah, yes. Um, you get those roses and, and you, and, but, but man, you, you're, you're spending some money and time and energy, and, and man, what happens is you're, you're excited as you're driving home. You're thinking, man, I can't wait to give these flowers to the one I love and to the person that chose to live with me. Man, it's amazing. Like as you start to think, it's amazing that anybody wants to live with me. And she puts up with me and my, you know, and, and suddenly you start to become decreased in your mind. She's put up in a place of treasure. Uh, and, and as you invest in her, and then, then you give her the flowers. And there's a million things you can do to treasure your wife. But what are you, Princess Bride, the, the most impressive clergyman? Treasure your wife. Remember that guy in that movie? <laughs> love, true love, will follow you forever. Am I alone? How many of you guys know that movie? Raise your hand. Oh, good. Okay, good. They always make the pastor look like an idiot. Um, but that's the most true words that that guy said, treasure your wife. It's a good word. Um, we've made a joke of it in the movies. The Bible says it's the whole enchilada. To treasure your wife, her price is far above rubies. This Proverbs 31 man, the reason I think she's so squared away is, first of all, I think we're hearing what he thinks about her. Um, I'd be interested to actually meet her uh, someday and think, who was this woman? And was she really as impressive? Or was it this guy just had this swollen love for her because he, 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 he valued her above rubies? Um, maybe that, that love that he had fueled what she became. I, I, see, I, I think there's something to this about treasuring your wife so that her value um, starts to be correct in your mind. And see, here's the thing, when you start treasuring your wife and that value is where it's supposed to be, when you see the strange woman on the street or you know, you're clicking through the news on the website and some stupid little commercial on the side and those little, those dumb advertisements that come on. Um, and it's, it's creepy, like um, I, I've, it's funny because I've, have you noticed like when you, you, you can be looking at news stuff on your computer and you know, there's the, 
there's the, the ads that come on on the side, and they're definitely geared for a man. But have you ever like then gone to your wife's computer and looked at the same web, and it's not, it's, it's you know, Pottery Barn and Restoration Hardware. It's like, there's, 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 your computer knows if you're a man or a woman. And they try to, you know, advertise accordingly. Um, so, so when you're clicking away or when you're driving down the street, you see the billboard or the girl walking down the street, instead of lusting after her and going, ooh, there's a, you know, see, the problem is when you look and start lusting, you're just dumping your treasure into her, the strange woman who's like taking arsenic poison. Like if you, wouldn't it be great if you and I really saw it, every woman that's not your wife, that's sexually luring, trying to lure you, and you're saying, poison, that woman is arsenic, uh, Proverbs fiver, that's what you gotta do with her, Proverbs fiver, uh, what's that? She's gonna lead you to death. She's gonna rob your riches. She's, she's, that's just bad news. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should think of all women as poison. I'm talking about the woman that's meant to, desiring to lure you. Um, and, and here's the thing. I, I do think in our culture, there's a lot of women that don't even know that they're doing it. We, we've gotten so weird with, um, you know, um, you know, this whole thing of the, the, our culture, a woman, I can wear whatever I want, and um, we sh- a man shouldn't be stumbled by, you know, the clothes that I'm wearing. And they can say that till they're blue in the face, that's fine. But we as men know that doesn't matter. What matters is, is your mind going to a place that it shouldn't go? And if it is, you gotta say, that's poison. That, that's deadly poison that's gonna rob me and lead me to death. Just see that for what it is. Um, have no part of that. Um, and then immediately go back to your treasure. Dump the poison and say, my treasure is my wife. I remember going into a rental place and my dad and I were renting a jackhammer this one um, afternoon, a 90 pound jackhammer. And uh, my dad was gonna have me. I realized my dad used me pretty much as slave labor. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we'd, you know, we'd do our you know, projects around the house and, uh, in, and uh, we had this section of concrete that we had the jackhammer out and, and, um, and I had to haul it, break it up, haul it all away and stuff. Um, man, I wish I, wished, uh, I wished I had a son at home still that I could still make slave labor. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I remember we went to this, I, I was probably 12 or 13, and um, we went to this, this, uh, this rental store and, um, and as we were coming in, there was a woman walking out. And uh, she was a young, pretty girl and as soon as she got out the doors, the guys were like, oh man, did you see that woman? And the guys were just talking about her and my dad and I walked in and um, I forget the exact words, but I remember it went something like this. The guys looked at my dad and said, man, did you see that girl? And my dad said, no, because you know what? My wife is the most beautiful woman on the planet and I don't even think about women that way. Uh, and, and, um, and the guys were like, suddenly the joy left. They were like, buzzkill. This guy's a faithful guy to his wife, and okay, what do you want, a jackhammer? Okay, whatever. Um, you know, it's funny because those guys were delighting in the fuel of the strange woman, um, and, and man, and, and if those guys are married, they're gonna go home that night, and instead of be thinking about the, their beautiful wife, who's decided to live with them in their stupidity and their dumbness, their, their wives are faithful to them, they're still thinking about the woman they saw at the, at the store. 
Um, and it's, it's an amazing thing how we've just let our brains just go unchecked. And, and it almost seems ridiculous. And, and maybe some of you guys are like, but that's going to be impossible. I can't do that. I believe it is. It's possible. God has given us the ability to overcome, and he's always providing a way of escape, the Bible says, when it comes to temptation. You gotta take the escape hatch. My dad did that day. By turning his mind to my mother and saying, you know, I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world. That's the way you gotta think about it. Well, man, I'm way, way late here. I was planning on being long past this by now. So, um, so Proverbs 31 man treasures his wife. Number two. The Proverbs 31 man trusts his wife, trusts his wife. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Um, man, I love this. Um, the, uh, the New Living Translation, her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. That's, that's a good way of saying that. The King James thing about the spoil, a little hard to explain, but Newer translations kind of put it that way, that she will enrich his life. But what happens? He has to trust her. Um, there is a thing, um, this is a funny thing. Um, is male privilege really a thing? Well, I'm not gonna tackle that one right now. Um, but, um, but it is, and I'll tell you why. Uh, and, and there's a political thing that's so ridiculous. And, uh, but male privilege is, is a thing. And, and let me just give you a few examples. One is, you know, like I, um, I can walk down the street in Portland and I've never once thought about, um, is somebody gonna, you know, beat me up? I've never thought, I, I'll see guys that look rough and I might, as I'm walking by, be ready to clock one of them in case they, you know, do have a problem with me or something. I, I'm, I'm, I'm game but I'm not afraid. In fact, I don't, I don't ever really remember being afraid of, of another dude. Honestly, I just gotta say that. I, I, I probably should have been, but I, I wasn't. Um, there's something in me um, that uh, I almost worry about what, what might happen the other way. There, there's one time as, as a 17-year-old uh, a kid uh, where I actually engaged in a thing. These, my dad always taught me when you're with your sisters, you protect them. We were at a, a, a carnival fair kind of thing, which is probably a first mistake. But, um, these, these two guys were there, and they were probably in their 20s, young 20s, drunk, but they, they took beer and poured it on my sisters, on their heads. And something in me snapped, and it wasn't pretty. Um, and I, I literally took the first guy and slammed his head into the ground, and the second guy, I, uh, I gave him a few uh, punches, and he, and he ran for his life, and, and everybody's like, yay, and they were celebrating. Um, and that was good, because you didn't go to jail for those things back in those days. Um, but... But um, here's the thing about that. Um, when, when that happened, here was, I was only 17. I was 220 pounds, but I was, um, I was just skinny back in those days. Um, but, but, uh, but, uh, but the thing is that that moment, I remember thinking, man, I hope I don't ever do that again. Cause I, I saw something in me that was kind of like, and, and so I just don't walk around. And, and most of you guys don't, we don't walk, walk around like, could somebody rape me right now? See, that's something most of us men have never even thought about. Is that guy going to rape me? But, you know, um, what's so sad is in our church, we have several women that atheists had to encourage and help through rape. We, we've had women in our church who just were out jogging, and some guy jogged past her, turned around, chased her down, threw in her ditch, and tried to rape her. She scratched out his eyes, 
and um, got DNA under her fingernails and, um, and he ended up running and the cops ended up finding him through the DNA. Um, but that's, a, that's something that happens to women in our congregation. Like, you know, and, and the reason I, I talk about this is, um, you know, on the male privilege thing, sometimes I think we forget that we don't have to worry about a lot of things that I think that women do have to worry about. And because we don't worry about it, we, we think that they're exactly like we are, but they're not. Women are not wired like we are. And so um, when, you, when you hear the ridiculous stuff about, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff about male privilege out there, of course. But when you hear it, maybe instead of just being defensive, saying male privilege is a bunch of uh, nonsense, which, you know, maybe some of it is for sure. But, but instead, I wonder if instead we realize that, man, my wife is just different than I am. And, and some of the things that she worries about, some of the things that she's afraid of, um, I need to be more cognizant of that. And when it comes to uh, who she is, um, you know, standing with her, being her strength. You see, you and I, one of the things that happens is you and I tend to compete with our wives. Um, uh, which we shouldn't do that. There's, there's a thing, you're either a competer with your wife or you're a completer of your wife. Remember that. You will either complete her or you'll compete with her. A lot of husbands will not trust their wives because they're wired differently than we are and they have different fears and different things that you and I go, that's nonsense. So because of the way they think and they're different, we choose not to trust them for their judgment, for their smarts or knowledgeable uh, you know, instincts. And there's so many men foolishly who do not listen to their wives because they see sort of a weakness there, which is not really a weakness. It's just that we're wired differently. Um, see, that's the thing. This guy, it says that he, um, he trusts, his husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. A man must choose if he's gonna trust his wife or not. He, um, you, you, you as men need to think of it this way. You, you need to be willing to make yourself vulnerable. That's, that's something we don't do well. By saying, honey, I trust your judgment. I trust what you're saying. Now you guys know it's true, your wives have oftentimes way better judgment than you and you hate it when, they, when they, it's revealed, when you find out it's true. There's moments that you'd rather not remember uh, when, when your wife was right and you were wrong. <laughs> but it happens probably a lot to, if, it, if you're like me. Um, but allowing her into his heart, enabling her to enrich his life. See, that's, that's what we miss. You and I, we can either compete with our wives and sort of say, you, you don't know as much about this as I do. You're, you're just a, a woman who's emotional. Like men just, you know, put these broad sweeps on, on women, but that emotional weakness that we see is actually a sensitivity strength. You and I, most, most of us men, we're as sensitive as a brick and we don't get it why we need to do something differently. Your wife, she sees it and she tries to tell you about it, but you and I, because of our competition thing and it's the man and the woman, and, and we just kind of blow it off. This man seems to be sensitive and says, I'm gonna choose to trust my wife. Um, the Proverbs 31 man says, I'm gonna trust her and because of that, my life is enriched. And so we'll either be competing against her or you'll be completing with her. The, you know, remember when in the Garden of Eden, when the man was made, it says, of all the things the Lord made, he said it was good. He looked at the man and said, it is not good that man should dwell alone. And he made woman out of the man's side. 
and they too will become one flesh. And man and woman, they were made in the image of God. You don't see the image of God just in the man. You see the image of God in the man and the woman, humanity. I'm racing through this one, but that's the truth. The Proverbs 31, man trusts his wife. Uh, Number three, we gotta hurry because I only have four more to go. Um, The Proverbs 31 man recognizes his wife's abilities. Um, Look at verse 16 through 18. Um, She considereth a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. He's sitting there just looking at all the things she's doing and and approving them and complimenting them. Um, She inspects the field. She buys it. Her earnings, you know, she she uses the, the earnings from her buying the field and all that. She uses to plant a vineyard. And he's just saying, man, she's energetic. She's a hard worker. And she's, she's uh, making it profitable for our family. Um, you know, he's basically um, uh, um, acknowledging her hard work. And I think it's also including he's sharing his resources with her. It's not like he's saying resources. She had to get money from somewhere to buy the first property as investment. In biblical culture, the woman didn't come in wealthy into the relationship. Um, in, in biblical culture, it always started with the man and his money. But this woman, this man, this man trusts his wife with, with some of the money and says, man, knock yourself out. And he trusts her to do the work. And when she does the work, he acknowledges it and compliments it. How are you doing, men, at your, uh, you know, recognizing your wife's abilities? Um, man, you say, well, Brett, I, I've, I've seen other women who work harder than my wife. Well, that's, 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 again, you're not looking at your wife in the right way. She's the only woman on the planet when it comes to your mind and your brain. When you're a husband of a wife, you need to say, my wife is the only one that matters and I'm gonna find the things that she's good at and I'm gonna compliment those things. Forget everybody else. That's the problem. Well, number four, quickly, the Proverbs 31 man is a respected leader. Notice in verse 23, it says, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. A man who's sitting in the gates, most of you Bible students know that it means you're a leader in the community, maybe a judge even in the city when you're sitting in the gate. Um, this, this man, uh, he's, he's a respectable man himself. I think for, for our wives to rise to the Proverbs 31 level, it also requires a man who's gonna be doing what he's called to do and stepping up in his role of leadership and, and even ministry and service and not just be a slacker himself. Um, I've seen it where the man is the slacker and the wife is the hard worker. It's pretty painful. You've seen it too. It doesn't get more pathetic than that. Um, But this guy is is respected as a leader in the community. That's a part of the Proverbs 31 man. Number five, the Proverbs 31 man encourages. It says in verse 28 and 29, her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. It's like Solomon's quoting himself. Um, he's saying, um, he's, he's quoting, he's saying, you know, her husband praises her, and, and, then, and then he quotes, saying to her, many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. That's the mindset that you have to have as a husband. You look at your wife and say, wife, you excel above all other women. And not only that, you tell her that. Oh, how your wife has a love bucket that needs to be filled every day with compliments 
an affirmation. The problem with the wife's love bucket is there's holes in it and it leaks. That's just the way women are made, but that means you need to keep filling it up. Keep filling the love bucket with affirmation and praise. Honey, you're the best cook on the planet. Brett, um, I had biscuits last night. They tasted like hockey pucks. You should not worry about that. You should say, honey, you're the best. See, I think there's a thing where you're gonna choose to say, my wife is the best. And just, just be literally, literally spending your lifetime believing that. Well, Brett, that's just denial. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the guy that uh, is very logical. Uh, or I'm, a, I'm a logical guy, and, and if she can't cook, I'm gonna tell her about that. Good luck with that. Um, you know, we'll see you in marriage counseling uh, when it fa- finally falls apart. Um, the man that's the Proverbs 31 man, her children rise up, call her blessed. Her husband praises her. Man, I hope you guys are, are in, uh, getting better and better at praising your wife and saying, honey, you excel them all. Um, um, women love being told how much you value them and how much you appreciate them. Um, men, less, less so. Um, but we have it too. Um, uh, I'm not sure we uh, love it as much from our wives. Maybe we do, but we sure love it like on the job. When somebody on the job says, man, you've done a great job. You, you know, uh, an attaboy at work it goes a long way. But, uh, but, but your wife, man, she needs that uh, affirmation because she's not gonna get it, especially you know the stay-at-home mom that's elbows deep in diapers and dishes. Nobody's gonna come and praise her unless you're willing to do it. Um, many marital issues, I think, could be solved just by telling your, your wife how much you appreciate her, um, how much you, you love their hard work. I was planning on spending most of my time on that one, by the way. Uh, but for lack of time, number, what are we on, six? Number six, the Proverbs 31 man finally sees her inner beauty. Proverbs 31, I love how he wraps it all up there in verse 30 and 31. Favor is deceitful. And the word favor there, the Hebrew word, when you look up the Hebrew word there, it means charm and pleasantness or pleasant to the eyes. What is that? It says charm or pleasantness to the eyes is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands let her own words, works, pardon me, praise her in the gates. The Proverbs 31 man sees his, his bride for who she truly is in the sight of God. See, that's the thing. The, the guy that's sitting here today said, Brett, that's fine. Really great that you're talking about this, but I'm a logical guy and I'm gonna call a spade a spade. If my wife doesn't measure up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not convince myself otherwise. Well, what does God do with you? Aren't you glad God doesn't measure you up practically? Say, let's see, we'll get you into heaven by how good you are. How, we're gonna be really logical because logic would put you and me in hell right now. We'd be burning in hell right now if logic had anything to do it. Praise the Lord, it's not logic, it's grace. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How does he love us? With grace and kindness. And he, he, he puts our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's eternity. He takes our sins and just puts them out of the picture and he justifies you just as if you'd never sinned at all. That's what God does. That's how God loves you. So, Brett, you don't understand. My wife will never do the dishes. I don't want to hear about that and you should never mention that again. 
Because what God does with your not doing the dishes in your life is he takes that sin and just puts it as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. And he forgives you for that long before you're even sorry for it. Um, That's what you as a husband are called to do. That's how you love your wife. Love your wife as Christ loved the church, sacrificially, unconditionally. That's how you and I are called to love. So those of you who are sticking to your guns on logic, man, you better hope God doesn't love you that way because you're doomed if that's the case. Do you you get what I'm saying here? This is huge. Too many men are stuck on the thing, well, I'm gonna tell my wife how she's supposed to improve or what she needs to do better or how she's failing here or there. It's just wrong. We're called to love our wives unconditionally, sacrificially. So the Proverbs 31 man really compliments the Proverbs 31 woman by really loving her, honoring her, respecting her, complimenting her, putting his treasure into her. Um, And man, when he does that, he will be in love with her. You will be passionately in love with her. And when you see the the chick walking down the street in a bikini, you'll say, whatever. Because you're so in love with your wife that she's all you have eyes for. Um, That's that's a biblical notion, that, that truly your wife will be the only woman in the world that matters. Man, I I know that that might seem almost impossible. It might seem like, well, Brett, that's pie in the sky. See, that's the funny thing. Most women read Proverbs 31 and think, good luck trying to be that woman. I read Proverbs 31 and say, man, good luck being that man. That's the man you and I should wanna be. Um, Putting our wife in that place of honor. Honor your wives. Husbands, Peter says, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife. Like this, this notion of, you know, wives just being pushed down and submit to your husband and all this stuff. Like um, people have so mistaught that, so abused that, that so many women um, have a, a distaste for the Bible and for churches because we've abused what the Bible teaches. But if, if we really take a hard look at what the Bible says, the wife, the woman, she's to be honored, cherished, treasured, put above everything else. Like there's no question about it. May the Lord give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the the men of the church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, we we see this and we kind of think, Lord, what a tall order for us to be able to be like the Proverbs 31 man. But Lord, it's our desire on this snowy morning to, uh, to rethink this stuff. Lord, I pray that when our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak, that you'd remind us how to pour treasure into our wife how to love her unconditionally, sacrificially. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be exclusively on her. Lord, I pray that even as Solomon in Proverbs 5 talks about being in love with the wife of our youth and that beauty is fleeting, but there's an inner beauty that that goes way beyond um, wrinkles and weight and goofy things that we value and treasure so much. Lord, there's so much more beauty that... So, so much is uh, neglected and forgotten and not even valued. Help us, Lord, to be men that are not like the men of this world, but like you, Lord, who love us unconditionally, sacrificially. Help us, Lord. Give us strength. We commit all this to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.